All right, man, what an exciting time. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Today is an extremely exciting day. Today's a day we get to be just generous with God. You've, you've heard the testimonies. You've heard uh, uh, letters. We've, or you've read letters. You've heard testimonies. You've attended prayer meetings. We've done all these things and all this effort and all this energy and all this attention and all these numbers and all these levels and all these different things. And it's culminated right now at this moment where we get to make our commitments, our pledges to the Lasting Impact Campaign. And I am so excited to be on this journey with you. I hope you're excited as well. I hope that you're prepared uh, to, to uh, make your pledge. I know we met with some of our, our leaders at our advanced commitment meeting. Uh, we did that on Tuesday. And we were able, out of just those pledges there at our advanced commitment, our, we had pledges of over $600,000 already. Right? How exciting is that? So if you've been familiar with kind of the levels of where we're at, that's almost completing all of level one right there in just the advanced commitment meeting. So exciting. And I hope you follow the example of those leaders and just take an opportunity, take an opportunity to just be generous with God. God right now at this moment, and this is what I really want to focus on, is I want to know if we could kind of elevate our minds into heaven and ask ourselves, what is God going to see today? As we make our commitments, as we make our pledges, as we commit to three years of giving above and beyond our tithes and offerings, giving above and beyond kind of what, what we give to the ministry fund of our church, that we're going to commit to paying the mortgage, that's kind of the first level, but we want to go beyond that. We want to change our spaces to be hospitable, whether it be the lobby or the cafe. We want to venture out into new ministries. We want to accelerate the debt payoff. All of those levels that you're familiar with, all of those allow us to change lives. And that's what we're in the business of, is changing lives. But I want to do this. I kind of want to elevate our view away from what we see here. Beyond, I know as you drove in, you saw what we're going to do here, right? We're going to have this awesome banquet. It's going to be fun. It, we're going to eat food. That's always good. It's really good food. It's going to be great. We're excited about that. But I want to do this. I want to elevate our vision a little bit and ask ourselves, what is God going to see? And how is God going to respond to today? So here's what I want to do. I kind of want to open up heaven a little bit for you and invite you to imagine God's response to a day like this. God's response to a day like this. What is God going to see when we make our pledges and our commitments? I think God is going to see something that's going to make him smile. I think he's going to be grinning from ear to ear over us as we pledge our generosity to the mission of this church. I think that. Now, why do I think that? I think that because Jesus' response about 2,000 years ago to a similar offering is, I think, his response that he's going to have for Valley Bible Church this Sunday. So I want to invite you to go to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, and we're going to see how Jesus responded. What was Jesus' reaction to a woman's offering? And I think Jesus is going to have the same reaction today that he did 2,000 years ago. And here's what I think Jesus is going to see that's going to cause him to smile, that's going to cause him to be, well, to grin, to be excited, to find delight in us. What will Jesus see? 
And this is the big idea for this morning. So if you're going to write down one thing, I want you to write this down. What will Jesus see? The big idea is this. Jesus will see sacrifice and not a show. Jesus will see sacrifice and not a show. Today is not a show. Today is not that we are performing in front of God, hoping to earn his favor. Or, or even more than that, today is not a show that we're hoping to win the applause of the people around us. Today, what Jesus will see is sacrifice. That's what he saw on Tuesday night when we made our advanced commitments. He saw sacrifice, people sacrificing financially to see the mission of this church move forward. And I think he's going to see the same exact thing today. Exactly what Jesus saw 2,000 years ago. So let's just go to this moment, a moment of offering. And Jesus is going to be so impressed by something that we probably would not be impressed at if we were there 2,000 years ago. But what Jesus sees is more than we can see. And what he sees, he's incredibly impressed with. So let's go to to Luke chapter 21. We're actually going to go up into chapter 20. So I'm going to start in Luke chapter 20, verse 45. What Jesus is going to see first is a show. And Jesus can see through it. He can see through the religious show, the spiritual show. And then next what he'll see is sacrifice, and that's what will impress him. So journey with me. This is in Luke chapter 20, verse 45. Luke chapter 20, verse 45 says this. And in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes. These are the masters, the teachers of the law. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes, Love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at the feast who devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. What is Jesus describing here? The show, the religious show. These masters of the law, these teachers, these scribes, are ones who love to put on a show. Jesus gives us kind of several different settings in which they try to uh, impress people. He talks about the marketplace. He talks about the festivals. He talks about the synagogue. I mean, in the first century world, when it comes to kind of social gatherings, right, places where people would have elevated social status, the marketplace and feasts were Definitely places where people would give social interest to people of elevated status. And Jesus says, these guys are seeking this out. They wear these long robes in the marketplace, and they love the greetings. They love when somebody runs up, recognizes them, and says, hey, can I take a selfie with you? Right? That's what he's saying here. They love for the applause. They hunger for the applause. They desire it so much. And Jesus says this show goes beyond the social realms of the marketplace or festivals. He says it's creeped into the synagogue. Now think about that for a moment. This would be the spiritual epicenter of Judaism in the first century world. And he says even when they come into the synagogue, even when they come into church, they're still thinking, how can I show off? How can I get people to look at me? How can I get them to see me? And Jesus uses an example. He says, even their prayers are made in pretense. What is he saying there? 
They just use these long, eloquent words, perfectly, rhythmically spoken, amazing, eloquent oratories, vast knowledge of Scripture, memorization like you wouldn't believe. And what comes out of their mouth is so poetic, but it is not pious at all. Jesus sees past this show. And this show, this spiritual show, this kind of religious walking, or religious walking through the steps, right? This religious mask, if you will, this religious performance, if you will. Jesus says it's not a victimless crime. All right, look down at your Bible again in, in Luke chapter 20. Look at verse 47. It says, they devour widows' houses. What is he saying there? These guys are supposed to be helping. The law has many different instructions given to we should help the oppressed, we should help the less fortunate, we should advocate for the poor. A widow in the first century world would be the poorest of the poor, would be the person with the least amount of advantage. And Jesus is saying, these guys have so much show, they care so much about status, they care less for the suffering. They have no concern for it. Jesus sees past all of it. He sees the show and says, nope, this will not do. Beware of these guys. Then Jesus takes this turn, this kind of pivot, if you will, which I think is so interesting because Jesus has just given them a model. Disciples, don't be showmen. Don't be showmen. Don't be spiritual showmen. Don't be like these guys over here. And then he's going to say, well, let me give you an example of what you should be like. Here's the negative. Don't do this. Don't be about the show. I want you rather to look at a different example. And it's interesting what that example is. Because it's the victim of those who put on the show. Who is the victim of the religious show of the scribes? A widow. Well, who's going to be the hero in the next passage, in the next part? A widow. The one who is actually oppressed at this point is actually the one that Jesus wants the disciples to admire. All right, look at this. Look at this change as it takes place. Jesus finds himself in the outer court of the temple, a place where there would be like 13 different offering boxes out, kind of these trumpet-shaped boxes. And sometimes there would be an indicator as to what this offering box would lend itself to, what it would do. And so we have this very public affair of giving. It's, it's not private. People would know. And back then, when you had kind of hard currency, not paper money, but hard currency like coins, you could tell this kind of public show. You could even hear the offerings going in to the offering boxes. So it was a very public show. And the crowd is going to see one thing, and Jesus is going to see another thing. Look down at this contrast in verse 21. Or sorry, chapter 21, verse 1. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. Now just stop here. What are we seeing? Another gospel writer happens to mention that these gifts from the rich were large sums of money. Well, how would they know that? They can either see it, they can hear it, Somehow, they're identified as rich in this passage. So maybe their attire or how much money they give. Clearly, there's a public appraisal. Wow, look at what that guy gave. It's like if we flashed all the commitment cards, all the pledges, 
and we put the names with all the ones and zeros and all those different things, and we just displayed them in front of you. That's similar to what's happening here. The amounts can be calculated, and clearly they're impressed. The crowd is impressed. Wow, look at the rich. Look what they can give. And then there's this widow. It says two copper coins. Now, it is incredibly hard to communicate how insignificant this offering is. Two copper coins. This was the smallest, the smallest unit of currency in the first century world. The smallest by far. So it would be kind of like our penny, if you think about it, like our penny. But even then, it doesn't equate. One scholar estimated that what she gave was more like an eighth of a penny. So she's giving two of them, so it's a fourth of a penny. A fourth of a penny. It's laughable. Can you imagine how humiliating this would have been for her? I mean, this is a public affair. She's not keeping this private. Imagine if we put all the commitment cards, all the pledges on the screen, and then your name came up, and what you gave was a quarter of a penny. Would you feel proud at that moment? Would you stand up and be like, did you see that? That's me, Paul Robert Crandall. Quarter of a penny. But Jesus sees something different. Jesus is going to demonstrate his supernatural knowledge of the situation. Because Jesus, just like before, he could see past the show. He could see what the rich were actually giving. And he saw what this woman was actually giving. And even though probably many in the crowd either didn't notice the woman or, most likely, looked down on her for her gift, Jesus was incredibly impressed. Look at verse 3. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more than all of them. Notice the word choice there. All of them. Jesus didn't say any of them. He said all of them. Why does that mean? Jesus is saying, no, I'm just not going to separate all the individual gifts. And look, oh, she gave more than this guy. Oh, she gave more than this woman. Oh, she gave more than this guy. No, Jesus is saying in totality, in full sum of everything we've seen paraded so far, you take all of that together, put all of them together, and she has given more. Jesus, what are you talking about? How has she given more? See, we measure by the amount given. Rather, Jesus measures by the amount that one keeps for oneself. You see the difference there? Jesus is not impressed by the amount that she gave. What impresses Jesus is by the lack of amount that she kept for herself. Look at how Jesus picks up on this in verse 4 when he shows us the difference between the widow's offering and the rich offering. Verse 4, Jesus makes it clear. For all they contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. What is Jesus saying here? The rich that came in, and I don't think Jesus is condemning their offering, but I think Jesus is clearly not impressed by it. What does he say? Well, they gave it all their abundance. Jesus is saying, they're just tipping. 
Right, they're just tipping. This is just a token gift. They gave out of their abundance. This didn't cost them anything. They still lived off so much, which is clear by their attire, which is clear by their large sums that are given. Jesus says, I know the numbers. I can see something the crowd can't see. I know your accounts. I know your attitude. And Jesus is saying, I I don't count the offering by the number of coins. I count the offering by the nature of the heart. I don't count the offering by the attitude, or sorry, the amount, but rather the attitude. And look at how reckless of a giver this woman is. Reckless is fair to say. We would almost venture to say, we could probably get close to saying, this woman is foolish. Because look how much she gives. Two copper coins. Look at how Jesus likens it. Jesus is saying, this woman isn't tipping. This isn't a token gift. This isn't just out of abundance. Look at what this woman has lost, if we can say that word, in her giving. Look at the end of verse 4. For they have all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. The Greek there is simple. All she had to live is all it's got. How reckless. Right? How crazy. You can't give everything. Like, why didn't she just give one of the coins? <laughs> why give all of them? Why not give an eighth of a penny instead another, adding another eighth of a penny? Why would she give in such a radical way? We need to be careful and not think that this is a prescription to us as this is how we should exactly give every time we come to a moment of offering. No, we shouldn't read it that way. I don't think Jesus wants us to read it that way. But we cannot lighten the effect here because Jesus is talking about a radical gift here. Jesus is saying this number one priority for this widow was to give over to live. Do you see that? There was no time that this woman found an excuse. Well, I don't have enough to give, right? When I reach this point, then I'll give. No, her first priority was what? I'm going to give, and we'll see, where, we'll see where things lie. This woman is an example of what Jesus has been teaching this whole time in the Gospel of Luke, right? Look, look at chapter 12 real quick. Let me just show you how this woman is a model a model for what Jesus has been teaching about money this whole time in the Gospel of Luke. Just in Luke chapter 12, we see this. In Luke chapter 12, verse 21, it says, So it is to the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. This is the passage we covered in the very beginning, a man who basically held on to everything and lost it all at the end of his life. He was not rich towards God. This woman is clearly rich towards God. She is laying up treasures in heaven. Look look at the next verse. Verse 22 of Luke 12. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Clearly, this is this woman. Because she's giving everything she has to live on. And what is her calculus in her brain? If I give it to God, he'll take care of it. Because I have to give. I have to give. God has changed me. God has transformed me. I have to give. I'm so grateful for what he's done. I have to give. So if there's a gap because of my giving, God's going to meet that gap. God's going to step in. God's going to show up. Because Jesus just said, don't be anxious about this. I got you. Well, Jesus, if you got me, then I can easily give. 
clearly this woman is taking a leap of faith here and saying, look, the calculus doesn't work. It may not be itemized right on my budget. I'm giving away the money I have to live on, but I believe and trust in God that he'll take care of me. So even though I don't have what I need to live, I'll still give. Because giving's number one to me. What a sacrifice this woman has made. And I believe this is exactly what Jesus will see today. Right? He knows it all. He knows your account. He knows your heart. All we will know is your pledge. That's all we'll know. And I'm excited to see as we calculate all of that, put all that sum together and what that means. And I'm excited to see what that, all that money, how that lines up to lives being changed. I, I mean, it's, it's an investment in life change, and that excites me. But I think what Jesus will see today is exactly what he saw back then. He will look at all the pledges. He will look at everything, and I think he's going to smile. Because I know you, Valley Bible Church. And you've always been people who sacrifice. Always been people who give. Always been people who said, I'm willing to invest in life change. I want to see people's life change because my life has been changed. So I want you to give. Give and sacrifice in such a way that Jesus will look down on it and says, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Not this outward appraisal of the numbers, but rather the heart behind the numbers. Jesus will see that, and I think he'll smile over the hundreds of pledges that will be committed. Every one, now it's big and small, I think Jesus is going to smile on all of them because all of them will be sacrifices. All of them will represent, well, God, I just want to give. All of them will be given out of a grateful heart. Father, you have transformed me. Father, you have changed me. You have renewed me. You've put your Holy Spirit in me. You've forgiven my sins through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You've given me the hope of eternal life. You've been with me as I've buried those that I love. You were there for me in my depression. You were there for me in my addiction. You were the one who killed my anger. You're the one who saved my marriage. You're the one that helped me parent. You're the one who helped me rescue my relationships. You're the one who has made me stable and strong and a person that is anchored in in great joy, even through the greatest tragedies of my life. You've been there when it didn't look like the table was going to be full. You've been there when I have felt I don't have enough, yet you have been there, and out of that a grateful heart, this is not obligation. This is invitation, right? All we're doing is opening up the door and say, you come in, man. You come in, you give. Here's an opportunity. This is not obligation. This is not guilt. You're not giving so God will love you. You're giving, why? Because God loves you. And that's exactly what this woman did. Today is an incredibly, incredibly exciting day. Now, at times it feels maybe a little weird if this is the first time you've ever been to church. Right, if this is the first time you're joining us online, I know there's somebody in this service this first time he's been here. I talked to him right before the service, and I know when I wasn't following Jesus, I always found services like these to be a little odd, right, a little strange. Oh, the church is talking about money again. <laughs> and I get it, like I totally get it. And it makes sense, it totally makes sense. Until you meet Jesus. Until you meet Jesus, everything changes. Because I'll tell you what, there's something so incredibly addictive about what the church does. So addicting. And that is, we are in the business of life change. 
And when you see it once, you'll say to yourself, what do I got to do to see that again? When it happens to you, you say to yourself, I, I want to see it replicated again. There's nothing, there's nothing like life change. Nothing like it. And I'll tell you that these kind of services started to make sense to me once I realized what the church was in the business of doing. And the church is in the business of life change. And I'll tell you, when you meet Jesus, and he changes your life, he forgives you of your sin, he restores you back to a perfect relationship with your creator, when he does that, something will happen to you. That you'll say, yeah, you know what, I could have taken better vacations. Yeah, I could have had more free time. But I'm so moved by Jesus that all I want to do is serve. I have a new priority, just like this woman did. I have a new priority, and that's to give, and that's to serve. You'll meet Jesus, and I'll tell you what, he'll change you so much, you will beg us for the opportunity to serve. I got to get in there. I got to give. What opportunities are out there? Are there any needs in the church? I'd love to fill that. That's what God will do to you when you meet Jesus Christ. And that's my biggest want for you. We want you to meet Jesus. We want that first and foremost, that you meet Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose again for the forgiveness of your sins, and that you would join us in the ministry and in the business of life change. Now, I have an exciting opportunity to share with you those who led us in our advanced commitment. Uh, you saw him singing right up here, Bobby Swanson and his wife, Christina Swanson. They're gonna come up here and they're gonna share their testimony their testimony of how God has changed their lives and how now they are obsessed, obsessed with seeing people's lives change. So you welcome to the stage Bobby and Christina Swanson. Hey there, Valley Bible Church. You guys that know me know I'm a little more comfortable with the guitar, but... Uh, <laughs> got a lot of details and I want to read through my testimony. There's a lot of name dropping and a lot of people that have had a big impact on our lives. And so uh, just bear with us. But I'm sure uh, you guys know, like Paul said, I'm Bobby Swanson. This is my wife, Christina. We've been married for 17 years and we thought we'd each share our own personal testimony of what brought us to Valley and how God saved us. And then we'll share a little bit about our, our marriage as a couple and, you know, what we've seen and watched God do. So I'll start here. My family started coming to Valley Bible Church when I was seven years old. Um, we were at the Gerritsen School in Rodeo, and uh, Rona Clark invited my family, my mom. Quickly as a boy, I realized I didn't want to go to hell, and I prayed with my Sunday school teacher, Luella Ross, to uh, receive Jesus into my heart. John Ross and Patty Chan were some of my other Sunday school teachers. There were several of them. Larry Howard was my junior high youth pastor. I realized in the eighth grade how dramatic a sinner I was and that I needed to repent and get right before God. It really felt like in the eighth grade I understood what being broken meant and that my sin was putting a gap between me and God. My parents, my brother, and my grandma all got saved at Valley Bible Church within those first few years. Later in high school, when I was around 17, uh, the youth pastor, Ted Montoya, did a sermon on Romans 12. And uh, I really felt like I got a better understanding of what God's will was for my life and learned better how to live for him. I made lifelong friends like the Orozco family and, uh, and several others through those years, those teenage years. 
I enjoyed serving at the time by playing music and leading worship in the youth ministry. As a very young man, through my mom and sermons at Valley Bible Church, I learned how to give and tithe. I was going to college to get my music degree and become a music pastor, but in my third year of college, I got a job as a refinery operator in Martinez, and I continued serving in worship and youth ministries. I met Christina here at Valley Bible Church. We got married when I was 25, and I'll let her share her testimony now. Um, I really feel humbled to even be asked to come and speak about giving here today. Really feels like all I've ever done is receive. Um, many of you know that I came from a broken household. My mom and dad were both addicted to drugs. And so as a little girl, all I really saw was sin. At about four, I went into foster care along with my siblings and returned home at about seven. Unfortunately, I came home to the same drugs, alcohol, and abuse. Statistically, that should be my life now. However, at 10, God saved me and changed my life. <laughs> but as you can imagine, it didn't get better instantly. About two years later, my mom went to jail. Shortly after she came home, my stepdad left and moved to San Diego. So when I came here to Valley at 14, I was saved but broken. Pastor Ted Montoya, Tracy Mice, um, Bernie Lightfoot, and Pastor Phil were all instrumental for God in my life. Some of the many people that come from Valley that I consider to have made a lasting impact. In high school, God used Valley to show me how to forgive and how to trust God, how to put my hope in God. God's word allowed my relationship with my mom to be restored and helped my whole family heal. After my mom returned from jail, she never went back to that lifestyle and instead turned her life to God. <laughs> Even my stepdad has since gotten saved. I feel like my family is an amazing testimony of how God rescues, and Valley's been a big part of that. I want Valley to continue to impact families for God like it has mine. The fact that the little we give allows us to participate is an incredible blessing. As a teenager, my family found a safe place here during very difficult years. Many of you remember the chaos that my family brought. Um, but we found a safe place to heal and grow closer to God. I met my husband here. My children got saved here. And I've done nothing but receive we even got married in this church. I'll let Bobby close us out. So as a couple, we came together, and we both loved serving in ministries at Valley Bible Church. We also gave and tithed uh, throughout our entire marriage. We watched God bless us over and over again through good jobs, three healthy children. Even though we made some mistakes financially, as a couple, it was impossible to beat God with his generosity in our lives and his faithfulness. I worked at the refinery for 20 years, and I made good money that whole time. Christina is a CPA and has been blessed with a great job also. We made decisions to give sacrificially at several of these stewardship campaigns, and we watched God pour out blessings on us over and over again. The closer I look at, at God 
and get in his word and watch him work, the more astounded I am by how great he is. He's done so much for me in my life. Being in his will is the best place I can be always. Christina's going to share a little bit about the, rec- uh, the recent past and just some struggles that we went through here in the last year. I forgot I had more to say. <laughs> um, I, I truly believe that God increases our faith through giving. When I was in high school, I remember giving on and off, and consistently I would find that my work had dried up the next week if I didn't give faithfully. I felt like God was literally showing me he was providing. At the beginning of 2020, I remember I was praying a pretty ridiculous prayer. I was embarrassed enough that I didn't even tell Bobby for a few months. And um, I was asking God to bail us out of debt. When we had moved to Benicia, we were debt-free except for our home. But we proceeded to finance a couple cars and accumulated a little credit card debt. And I was wishing and praying for a quick way out. When I say that, I meant that I wanted to win the lottery. (laughs) But instead, Bobby was laid off his job of 20 years. I'm surprised to tell you that God used this to answer that prayer. Not only did God make it possible to pay off those debts, in 2020 we were able to give more than any previous year. I don't even know what to say except that God does the impossible. Like Christina said, I got laid off of a job that I expected to be at um, the rest of my career. You know, that refinery was built in 1913, and it was permanently shut down in 2020. So it was a bit of a shock. During this same time last year that I got laid off, Christina received a a really bad second-degree burn on her leg. My oldest daughter broke her finger. My other daughter had an abscessed tooth all in October. A few months later, we found out that my mom was diagnosed with cancer, and around that same time, our whole family had COVID-19. My mom's been receiving treatment for her cancer and doing better, but boy, talk about being in the fire. Even through that, we watched God carry us and provide. I'm reminded of that Footprints poem about the single set of footprints in the sand, and that's being where God carried us. That's what it felt like last year. Just, uh, I felt like my family really felt the love and support of this church as well. I've watched God save my grandma, my parents, my brother, myself, my children, like Christina said, through this church. Like Larry has mentioned in the past few weeks, this happened because people served and gave to this local lampstand called Valley Bible Church. I'm sure you heard how many names that we dropped of faithful servants at Valley Bible Church that had a lasting impact on our lives. We are excited and expectant to see what God's going to do next. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of it. We want to help make a lasting impact through our time and our giving. Thank you for listening.